Welcome to Basic Black. Some of you are joining us on our live broadcast and others of you are joining us on Facebook Live and Twitter. I'm Callie Crossley, host of Under the Radar 89.7. Our topic tonight, writer Alice Walker first gave it a name, colorism, discrimination based on skin color. In America and around the world, lighter skin is valued more than dark skin, a pernicious bias rooted in history and culture. As the nation moves closer to a multicultural majority, how is it that colorism still plagues communities of color? Joining me tonight, licensed psychologist and multicultural specialist, Dr. Dorica Canada Cunningham, Jabari Asim, author of We Can't Breathe, and an associate professor at Emerson College. Lovely Hoffman, singer, actress, and educator. She wrote and sings, My Black is Beautiful, a song about empowerment and embracing beauty. And Christina Duyon with the Institute for the Study and Promotion of Race and Culture at Boston College. Welcome to all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Dorica, I think I want to start with you about the history of colorism mm -hmm. and how it got really to be as ingrained as it is mm -hmm. in the communities of color. Yeah, when I think about colorism, I like to kind of call it the child of racism and classism. Um, and so there's kind of the history within the United States when we think about colorism um, here, but we also know that colorism is global um, and it's very related to colonialism um, and kind of the ways in which we have stratified kind of societies based off of class. Um, based off of social, um, certain features or social status. And so I think um, over time, we just see that same um, thing be portrayed um, and, and based off of skin color shade um, in particular. Um, and, and colorism is very related to racism um, because if racism says white is right and classism says um, certain um, statuses are right, colorism says light is right. And so um, we just see it transmitted across generations um, in that way. And so what we know is that this is something that has ripped apart families actually because uh, the history of slavery is such that in our own families we can see different shades and any mm -hmm. in any given family it can mm -hmm. be someone quite fair skin and someone mm -hmm. quite dark skin mm -hmm. and that makes for uh, well uh, mm -hmm. a people who have some biases around that it comes mm -hmm. to the fore. Mm -hmm. um, the sitcom, the ABC sitcom Blackish, just mm -hmm. really uh, did a great show about this recently so I want to take a look and then we'll talk about it on the other side. Since when did you become dark skin? I'm not dark, dark, but uh, I'm dark enough. Not as dark as me. Oh. No one in this family is as dark as me. That's the problem. That's not a problem. The fact that you're different is a good thing. Mm -hmm. If it's so good, then why are you all so scared to talk about it? <clears throat> like today, you're saying that it's about the camera lighting or complexion. No. It's about me being darker. Well, it's a, a complicated issue, but Diane. All black skin is beautiful. Well, we say that, mm. but I don't know that it's internalized in that way. And by the way, that episode from Blackish, which is an ABC sitcom, really focused on Diane having her class picture taken and the lighting wasn't right for her. Mm. And this uh, mm. brought to the fore a conversation among her family members, as we can mm. see there, who are different shades. Um, Jabari, Hollywood seems to have played a part in this, as well as all media, actually. But more recently, we've been seeing a lot of examples of fairer-skinned actors, um, 
getting roles that would never go to darker skin ones. Yeah, yeah, uh, so that's yeah. a cultural phenomenon. Ab absolutely, mm -hmm. and, I, and I think uh, it also speaks to how insidious it is. Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that we are all conscious, we're all aware that it's wrong, but we still have to resist it. Right. Um, and in Hollywood, uh, even very recently when they did a feature film about a very famous rap group, the casting call specifically called for mm -hmm. light-skinned actresses. So mm -hmm. we're, we're seeing that this, even though in this era, in theory at least, mm -hmm. we know that that's not the move to make. Mm -hmm. But some of us are still comfortable expressing that kind of that's preference. Right. Now we should say that we're having this conversation at a time when the nation is uh, gripped with another color issue, which mm -hmm. is blackface, mm -hmm. which actually I think plays a part and connected with this, because you mentioned the racism, Dorica, mm -hmm. um, and that was a time in our history during minstrel shows when white men blackened their faces and sometimes black men too. Mm -hmm. But the point is that black men made their skins darker and darker and it couldn't just blacken your skin a little bit, you had to go all the way, mm -hmm. Christina, mm -hmm. to make the point that um, black people were less than the, the characters, the stage performers uh, did buffoonish, buffoonish sort of caricatures mm -hmm. of what they thought black people were. That's passed down and been internalized, I think, that colorism that's connected to blackface in some way. I would definitely agree because we see these caricatures throughout media and we even see it like in our social lives. So if we think about, um, oh, I forget that show, just it just escaped me, but I think it was JJ. Like he was. Oh, good times. Good, good times. times. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> so JJ, you know, he was this um, mm -hmm. buffoon of a character. Like he was always silly and jovial mm -hmm. and wasn't intelligent, right? But if we think about it throughout time, like that character is always present, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're always mocking people of a darker skin. That's we're true. always using them as the outlet, right? That's right. And that continues. Or the butt of the joke. Uh -huh. They are the butt of the joke, mm -hmm. right? And even when you look at casting outside of that, it's, you always see lighter skinned women, for example, portrayed like next to darker skinned men. Mm. Someone had pointed out to me that there was only one cartoon or one even show where there was a black family and the wife wasn't lighter, mm. Mm. Wow. right? Mm. And if we think about it now, like can you think of actually any cartoon or mm. show where the wife isn't a little bit lighter than the husband because mm. that is where the beauty standard is. And if the man is dark or even if the woman is darker, she can't get a man, she's not attractive, yeah. she's loud, she's ignorant. Yeah. So we still attribute these things to darker yeah. skin, mm -hmm. whether we acknowledge it or not. Mm -hmm. And to be clear, because we, we started off by making it clear that it's around the world. This is not mm -hmm. uh, completely seated in mm -hmm. um, African-American communities in the United States, for that matter, Latino communities or Asian communities. But yet, all around the world, skin bleaching mm -hmm. is at a peak. Yeah. $10 billion yeah. industry mm -hmm. because people mm -hmm. are trying to make their skins lighter. Mm -hmm. White is still valued and preferred. This mm -hmm. was so disturbing to you, Lovely, that you wrote a song yes. um, about it for your students. First of all, tell me what, what was happening in the classroom um, that made you mm -hmm. need to really address it more specifically? Okay, so I've been teaching for over 15 years, um, and majority of the students that I teach are of African descent. So what I would often see is the kind of more overt uh, ridiculing of darker skinned children in which people would say things like, oh, blackie, uh, African, black is African. But I will also see a lot of the more subtle um, ways in which black children, darker, um, darker skinned um, females would feel insecure about themselves. For example, in schools they have superlatives like best looking, most attractive. Mm. Oftentimes you would also see um, 
in terms of like social circles, like the lighter skinned children would be more accepted, mm -hmm. you know. So um, I would often witness this in the classroom and then it brought me back to when I was young and performing um, and growing up and one teacher had said, um, well, I don't have a lovely, doesn't have the looks to be a singer. Mm -hmm. And I just remember how horrible it made me feel. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think we live in a society, in terms of Western society, where sameness is valued and uniqueness is devalued. So um, when we look at like differences, people think of it as a, a, a deficit, but it's actually an asset, especially in African culture. So um, I wanted to do something about it, and I wanted to, so I went and wrote this song called My Black is Beautiful. Okay, we're going to listen to it. Let's take a listen to mm -hmm. it so we can see what thank you did. You, mm -hmm. Thank you. Look at her face, look at her skin, it's either too dark or it's too light. Her complexion's not right, but it's all a part of me. Who are you to say that I'm not beautiful? There you go. That's beautiful. Um, um, I think that kids, young kids this age particularly, are not only influenced by the images that are out there, but we also have social media, which is also, mm -hmm. um, it was already there. Let's be clear. This was already uh, a part of our conversation, even if it wasn't always publicly stated. Yeah. But now there are many other avenues for mm -hmm. these images and the kind of biases that go along with them mm -hmm. to be out and um, more present in, in everybody's lives and I think it's particularly damaging for young children. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because I'm just following up with your point. Um, I think like when we look at celebrities, whenever they say something like a lot of people like really um, adhere to what they say because they have mm -hmm. so much influence. Mm -hmm. So just thinking about like the <coughs> casting call, um, I think it was Kanye West, mm -hmm. in yeah. which he said um, he the casting multicultural. call multicultural mm -hmm. women mm -hmm. or like looking at people like Leslie Jones from Saturday Night Live. Mm -hmm. Like um, she, her, her Twitter account was hacked and people were saying she looks like a gorilla. Mm -hmm. You know, or like um, just, just various instances in which you see women of darker hues just not being respected or people not valuing them in the way they look. So and I, this all trickles down to like our children because like the media controls so much of the minds of, you know, of our children because, you know, they're very um, impressionable at a young age. So it's really important that like when we look at the media that it represents our children and that's not the case. Well, the pain of this, uh, the psychological damage, of course, you two can speak about um, very well. But I want to make a point um, before we talk about some of that really uh, significant pain about economics. Jabari, because mm -hmm. it turns out that studies have shown that it really comes down to pocketbook issues as well, mm -hmm. that the choices are being made that mm -hmm. lighter skinned people get better jobs, mm -hmm. um, likely to have a better living situation. Mm -hmm. I mean, at every measure that would improve your life from an economic standpoint, darker skinned people, this is doc, these are, this, these are studies. I'm not yeah. just making this up. Right. It really makes a difference. Right. Also, mm -hmm. I might uh, suggest that we expand beyond commerce and look at politics. Yes. Mm -hmm. For example, uh, for example, two African Americans have declared for their candidacies for president. Uh, coincidentally, both are biracial. Mm -hmm. The successful candidate we've had was also biracial. So if we look at the traditional leadership in civil rights organizations, for example, mm -hmm. it's often skewed, not completely, mm -hmm. but certainly skewed um, in favor of lighter skinned people. So it, it, it pervades nearly every aspect of, of African-American existence, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. right, so the pain of this is, um, from a psychological standpoint, it's deep mm -hmm. because it's not something you can get rid of. I'm looking at social media and seeing people team dark skin, yeah, team yeah, light skin, yeah. 
this is <clears throat> this is today's language. Yeah. I mean, I can say personally that my my mother was quite fair, and my dad was dark, and I never thought about it. My mother's uh, Louisiana Creole mm -hmm. country, yeah. uh, real Creoles, not made up Creoles. <laughs> <laughs> Some people uh -oh. say they are, uh -oh. but they're not. <laughs> okay. Uh -huh. And um, and my father was quite dark, but I never thought about it until I went to sixth grade, and uh, someone said to me. Why is your, this is a white kid, why is your dad, what, why are they different colors? And I thought, oh, we hadn't really talked about mm -hmm. it. Um, but, so what do we do with something that is so ingrained and embedded, Dorica? Well, I think, I think someone mentioned it earlier, having awareness is kind of the first step because if you aren't aware and you don't acknowledge, and I think this came up in the episode of Blackish, I think yes. they kind of came to the point that the ways in which our families and our communities kind of center around this secret of shame and we don't really mm. talk about it, I think that is kind of a first step to healing um, for a lot of people. So acknowledging, becoming more aware of it um, and, and checking yourselves. I've, speak, I've mm. spoken to youth before um, about this topic and talked about you know, being able to call yourself out when you mm -hmm. laugh at that joke mm -hmm. or yeah. when you, you know, you retweet that um, mm -hmm. meme. And it can be hard because some things, and I think on Black Blackish as well, they mentioned this, um, that it's just jokes, um, yeah. but it's not just jokes. Right. Um, and so mm -hmm. when you laugh, when you retweet, you actually perpetuate uh, colorism. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, being able to call yourself out and check your own internalized kind of colorism ideology um, and I think also there are resources for healing as well. I mean, I think therapy and counseling can be helpful, but also community ways in which people heal um, can also be useful. I was going to make the point that within um, just European communities, if we're going to put it like that, there's also a preference for blonde and blue eyes. Mm. Sure. So mm. even within the context of where one would be already like, presumably, there are gradations mm. of still. So that's how, that's how deep colorism is embedded. Mm. But Speaking of the pain, since we're now starting to have these conversations publicly, Bill Duke did a film called Dark Girls, mm -hmm. in which he really just allowed people to talk about mm -hmm. what it has meant to them from a painful experience. Mm -hmm. So let's take a look. I can remember being in the bathtub asking my mom to put bleach in the water so that my skin would be lighter. This is not just a US phenomenon. One of the most popular products in the third world is skin whitening cream. My mother, she's bragging on me. She said, my daughter is beautiful. And then she adds, could you imagine if she had any lightness in her skin at all? She'd be gorgeous. So given that, and then given Black Panther, the cast of Black mm. Panther, which was overwhelmingly dark-skinned actors, mm. this was quite a phenomenon. Mm -hmm. It made a statement, which a lot of people noticed by the yes. way. Well, can I add to that too? Because yes. I kind of think that sometimes when you do see an all black majority cast that is of darker hue, a lot of times they represent like kind of the exotic, like in my opinion, like mm. black thing was really mm. powerful, but that's one thing I noticed. And then when you look at like The Walking Dead, um, the sister Denai Guerrero, mm -hmm. again, so it's like kind of the exotic, like it's not necessarily the, like. Every day. Every day. Interesting. That's one observation that, that I kind of like. I feel like that yeah. plays into this idea of like, you know, you're dark, you're pretty for a dark skinned girl. Absolutely. Like if there's going to be a cast mm -hmm. of dark skinned people mm -hmm. making statements and mm -hmm. we just want to be like, wow, this is beautiful and amazing. We're like, but they're an exception. Mm -hmm. These are acceptable mm -hmm. dark skinned people yes. in their lane, in their continent. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. But do not be under their impression. Yeah that this will be mainstream. Exactly. Right? So I could see what you're saying about this exoticism because mm -hmm. there isn't this idea where like, now this is going to be the staple. Yeah. It's not the staple. Yeah. 
we rise these two or three dark-skinned yeah. women mm -hmm. to the forefront. That's right. Like, look, we care about all, all hues of black people. Right. But will there be others? Like, right. how many more years must we wait for like exactly. there to be another wave? Right. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, um, I'm thinking about the casting for like that Motown tribute. They gave it to J Lo, right? Yeah. Oh, so right. it's That's still controversy. New, yeah. new yeah. culture. Right. Yes, yes. But I think a lot of times we have yeah. to go like behind the camera, behind the script, mm -hmm. and right. and look at who's making these decisions, That's right? right? Um, and I would push back a little bit and say that I think culture is probably the best way to resist this through art. And I think Lovely's song is a really good example of that yeah. by resisting through art. Mm -hmm. I think you do quite a bit. Thank you. That way. I also question if it's just a trend too, right? Because it's like right now the whole black blackness is a trend like a lot of like mm. if you look at five years years ago you were not seeing people as like um so determined to share their blackness with the world you see there's a wave of this now where, whether mm. we're talking about solange's don't touch my hair mm -hmm. kelly Rowland just came out with a song called my crown like these are mm. artists that's been around for a long time mm -hmm. and now they're actually expressing themselves which is a good thing but then it's like Okay, is this well, just well, trend, trend? Well, let me put that on the table because mm -hmm. in the 60s there was a period of yeah. Black is Beautiful, right. which was very much accepted, right. and, in the and 90s people embraced well. that, mm -hmm. um, and then that sort of faded away. Mm -hmm. But I thought in the last sort of five, ten years there have been people saying, I'm going back to my natural right. hair, mm -hmm. I'm embracing mm -hmm. that. So is that not a reviving of that? Yeah, it's, yeah I think it's even longer than that. Okay. Because if you look, so. let, let's look at children's books, for example. Mm -hmm. I Love My Hair by Natasha Tarpley. Yes. It's been out for 20 years. Mm -hmm. Happy to Be Nappy by Carol Olivia Heron. Mm -hmm. It's been out for 20 years. Yes. So there's always been some people yes. in the culture, I guess the literary equivalent of what you did with your song, you know, mm -hmm. kind of pushing back mm -hmm. by, uh, you know, creating culture that, that pushes this idea that mm -hmm. we can embrace who we actually are. But when it comes to, I was going to say, when it comes to pop culture, there are kind of these waves because the 90s was another period where I yeah. think we were very pro-black and sure. embracing a lot of our culture. Um, and even in doing the research on colorism, I remember when I started my dissertation back in, in maybe 2012, there weren't a lot of people talking about it mm. then. Um, and I remember really being excited that we're having these conversations again. And I've seen this, just the increase in conversations around it, even just over kind of the past, you know, five mm -hmm. to seven Years. Well, are you uh, are you impressed that the the conversations we're having now are positive, or are we just sort of having conversations? <laughs> uh, do you know what I mean? Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, I think I think some of them are positive, and in, uh, in working with uh, college students, I see even youth and young adult kind of having these conversations and really having that critical awareness around it. Um, it feels positive, but like you mentioned, I wonder if it's going to be persistent, um, mm -hmm. and if, if it's going to be pervasive. Yeah. Um, and kind of continue beyond kind of right yeah. now what, what feels maybe popular to be exactly. kind of woke about or talking about. Woke, yeah. <laughs> I also feel like right now, like the current like my black is beautiful, everyone returning to natural. I feel like there's there's an undercurrent there of like what what type of black is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I remember because I've always been natural, but I've always like had the privilege of having hair that looked like this. So mm -hmm. people kind of let me go about it, mm -hmm. right? But. As the wave came through, the goal was to get everyone's hair to look like mine, right? Mm -hmm. So everyone is committed to a twist out. Everyone's trying to get their hair to look a certain type of natural. It's not the 60s version of like, as it grows out of your hair, it works. Right. It's right. how do you manipulate it to look like some type of mixed curly. Yeah, that's interesting. Right? So I feel like the black is beautiful wave right now, there's something under that that's yeah. not, mm -hmm. that's yeah. still not Authentic. including everyone in the picture. Because yeah. if you have like 4C hair, we're not talking about you, right? Because yeah. mm -hmm. the goal is to get you to get your hair to look a different type of way, mm -hmm. not the way it grows out of your head. Right. How, how do we move from the original separation of, 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 of the enslaved on the plantation? I mean, this is, we're we are still living mm -hmm. with that. 
where for folks who don't know, the dark-skinned uh, enslaved persons had to be in the field and pick the cotton. Mm -hmm. And the ones who were lighter-skinned, who were products of rape by mm -hmm. the masters often, and, uh, and of one of the uh, enslaved women, worked in the house because they were closer to white. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that is, that's a foundation that feels so many times like it's unshakable. Exactly. And whatever happens, you end up coming back to that. It's generational trauma mm -hmm. really, at, the, at the core of it. And I feel like the gener intergenerational trauma, it persists in ways that we don't always talk about. Sure. Like in the Blackish episode, you know, they mentioned, oh, we don't ever bring it up. It's not a thing. We've never made you feel different. And I think about all the ways that family members say things yes. that stick mm -hmm. with you. Mm -hmm. I remember having a friend, and I was like, hey, let's go to the beach. And she's like, I'm just trying to stay out of the sun. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why? Mm -hmm. And I started listening, and a lot of my black girlfriends are like, I'm just not trying to be in the sun. Yeah. Or like, we have to get an umbrella. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, why do we have to get an yes. umbrella? Like, yes. But this isn't nothing. Like, these statements don't mean nothing, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. if you hear them throughout your life enough, you're hearing that getting darker is a bad thing, right. that you have to avoid it. Because no one's saying don't get skin cancer, right? Like, no one is saying that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to add to that, too, because, like, when... Looking at the episode, they stated that like no one wants to talk about it, but some families don't really understand it and know it exists mm, as well. True. So the assumption is that everyone knows that it exists, but no one's talking about it. But that's not true. Mm. Me growing up with my family, a lot of um, my, my aunt, my great aunt, like she only had like a fifth grade education. But the things that she would say was very hurtful. She didn't mm. know she was saying it. Mm -hmm. And to kind of delve into it and get deep and talk about slavery and colonization could have kind of been a bit much. So yeah, okay. um, a lot of it is just people not really knowing, people not really, really being aware. Um, one of the things I did is I actually wrote a curriculum that actually goes along with the song mm -hmm. so um, mm -hmm. schools could use it and it's mm -hmm. like two weeks long to kind of like help educate. To um, deconstruct it. To deconstruct yeah, it, right, right and to mm -hmm. kind of assist with, this is not just a song, but like let's unpack what's being said, let's dig deep. Because I think when students really learn about what's happening and they are informed, mm -hmm. then they can um, stop, they cannot perpetuate you know, well, that, that ignorance. So Jabari, in your classroom, because you're dealing with uh, images and stories that would hit on all of these mm -hmm. themes, presumably, are, have you seen any change in the students in understanding of this or how they approach it? What yeah, I, I think there are parallels mm -hmm. in literary development in terms of all these other areas that mm -hmm. we're talking about. So mm -hmm. a lot of the issues that are important to us on social media and in conversation are manifesting themselves in the literature as well. But one of the things we have to look at even is that language among those of us who consider ourselves aware. Mm -hmm. for, for example, we, we, when we describe dark-skinned people, we describe them as dark-skinned people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When we talk about light-skinned people, we describe them as fair-skinned. And the mm -hmm. dictionary definition of that, of course, mm -hmm. is beautiful, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, so we're kind of imposing uh, a judgment that's coming from outside of our community mm -hmm. that really is anti-black racism. Mm -hmm even when we're discussing it, right? Truth. So we have to, have to always push back. Yeah. Well, I, I, re I recall that in the 60s, there was also, uh, okay, fair-skinned people. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> people <laughs> on the lighter end of the skin who felt, wait a minute, I'm black. Don't mm -hmm. try to, you know, sure. act like I'm not black. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not passing. That's you right. know, that was right. part of it. People don't understand passing. that history of people that were so fair as that they could pass. Mm -hmm. And there are plenty of them still doing it today. Sure. Mm -hmm. To sure. get outside of this right. very hurtful, phenomenon of being judged by your community and also being judged outside of your community when it manifests itself mm. as uh, racism in a different kind of form. So I, I you know, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really tough nut to crack, particularly mm -hmm. when you see the sharpness 
of how it strikes mm -hmm. at any moment. As you say, it just pop up any moment, and you're mm -hmm. like, wait, wait a minute, where'd that come mm -hmm. from? Yeah. Dorica, which, which, what are you saying? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, that came up in the show Blackish as well, when the mom had that very defensive mm. reaction to, I'm black, even though I'm light-skinned, to the grandmother. Um, and I think that actually is true. I think another thing to kind of call out and acknowledge is that we've talked about it only in the direction of it affecting darker-skinned dark skin, women. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but what I know, and even in my research study, lighter-skinned women actually say, this affects me, this hurts me, yes. this is difficult. They have their racial legitimacy questioned because mm. of their, their skin color. Um, and the thing about colorism and skin color shade is that it's so contextual. I talk yeah. all the time about how being a young black girl growing up in Kentucky and moving to Boston, that my yeah. skin color mm. literally change because there's not enough mm -hmm. sun here mm -hmm. um, and then people perceive it differently so you mm -hmm. have what you perceive as your own skin color and then you have what other people's perceive you as mm -hmm. and sometimes there's a little um, conflict with that and that doesn't mm -hmm. maybe kind of match and so I think that can cause a lot of difficulty for people as well mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, quickly is talking about it good I'd say absolutely yes. yeah, yeah? I agree. Yes. really even yeah. if it's Hurtful. We're getting some of this stuff out on the table. It's right. still hurtful, but necessary. I would it say. validates experiences. Yeah. Right. And you need to know that what you're experiencing is real. Because mm -hmm. if everyone's constantly saying, no, it's in your head, you're exaggerating, yeah. you will drive yourself crazy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the end of our broadcast and the end of our show. And I want to thank all of you for being here for the first part of this conversation. Uh, but stay with us right now as we continue our conversation on Facebook Live and Twitter about colorism and its impact.